Miracy. Yeah, so first of all, you know within yourself that it feels right. One of the preconditions to it being irresistible is that you actually love it. So you actually sit there and you think, you know, to the customer that I really want, to the client that I really want, they would be crazy if they didn't take me up on this offer. Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped more than 70,000 coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. You've probably heard that in order to build a successful business and to have that successful coaching business, you need to create an irresistible offer. But you might be wondering, how exactly do I do that? Maybe you've also thought that nagging thought of, why should anybody listen to me? Who am I to make this offer? As a new coach, it's common to think that you have no clue about where and how to start, but crafting an offer can also be a challenge for more seasoned coaches as well. Today, I've invited the right person to answer the question, how do I make my coaching offer irresistible? I'm going to be talking with Michael Maidens. Over the past 15 years, Michael has built a business and lifestyle around helping knowledge-based businesses impact millions of people online. He's helped many businesses launch digital and physical products, and he's innovated the way in which documentaries are launched online. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me, Melinda. I am so excited to have you on the show and to talk about this. Like, There is nobody better to talk about this than you. But before we start talking about irresistible offers and all of that, would you mind sharing a little bit of background with our listeners? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Very, very warm welcome. So I appreciate that. I have been coaching people for about uh, 10 years, maybe 15 years. I'm a multi-passionate person. I absolutely love helping people. It's been something that I've been doing for a long, long time. And um, what I love more than anything else is connecting amazing people who've got amazing knowledge with people who need their solutions. So what I really, really see the offer as is bringing the two people together. And I just feel that if we are all living in our purpose and our passion, then yeah, hopefully the world becomes a better place. I love it. That's what we're here to do. That's why we do what we do. Now, when we talk about that adjective to the beginning, irresistible, what is an irresistible offer? How do you define that? Yeah. Well, I love the word irresistible and I love the word offer. I feel like the energy of the word offer diffuses the energy of the word maybe selling because a lot of people get a little bit anxious about selling and feel like they have to sell. But I love the word offer as something where, you know, it is an option for them to accept it. But the word irresistible at the front then positions what you're offering as what you believe and you fall in love with and you believe is the most irresistible thing. And um, hopefully the person who's considering the offer also sees that too. So I think there's a lot of things that come together to make something irresistible, but really it should feel great for the person who is making the offer. And likewise, the person receiving the offer also feels energetically like it's in line as well. Now, for the newer coaches, because that's a lot of who listens in, I mean, we have people in all stages of their business, but for those newer coaches, do you ever experience that the word irresistible triggers them? How do you get new coaches beyond that just getting out of the gate experience 
to helping them embrace that what they have is not just an offer, but it's irresistible. Now, this is where we have all our fears bubble up, isn't it? It's the fear of rejection. And I chat to people all the time. It's like, oh, if I was selling a pair of sunglasses or a book or something that wasn't me, I could do that so much easier. But when we actually are selling part of ourselves, which is what happens when we're selling our coaching, but also if we've put time and effort into building a model and things around which we coach, then we're a little bit more invested in the response to our offer. Now, when you're at the start, that starts to really feel scary. But when something becomes an irresistible offer, what I love to think about is it's a filter where the most perfect customers will say yes and the not perfect customers will say no. And when you're at the start, that doesn't sound correct because you're just sitting there saying, hey, I just want any customers. Mm -hmm. And um, I I don't know about you, but in my experience, the wrong customers are just, they just drain your brain so much and you want to give them their money back. That's what I've done. I actually have felt that in the past. I just felt like I wasn't serving them or they, we weren't a good match. So I actually offered to give them their money back with no hostility, but actually that was my learning lesson to go, you know, they have to be the right people. And with love and with blessing, I want them to find the right person for them. Yeah. Having that filter for the right people to say yes and the not right people to say no. Like if I could sit down with a newer coach and be like, you don't have to coach everybody. You don't have to coach anybody. You actually get to choose who you want to coach and to help them shift their thinking from just let me coach. I just want to coach. Just let me coach anybody. I wonder if in our coach training, because you're just practicing on anybody and everybody just to get that experience, if it kind of perpetuates that. And how can a newer coach begin to embrace that and squish their fears and say, you know what, I am going to be okay with coaching the right people and saying no or letting the wrong people say no. How does a newer coach embrace that? Yeah. You make sure that you decouple yourself from feeling like that a no is a rejection of yourself and actually sit there and really be honest with yourself and say, if you had to spend a week on an island with this person, would you want to do it? And would you be looking forward to that? And sometimes when we're in our early stages and we need something, we look for reasons to do it rather than look for reasons not to do it because we go, oh, I need the money, I need the money, or I need the experience. But once you have started to feel the right people and feel what coaching the right people actually feels like and the energy that comes with that, then you really realize that anyone that's saying no is doing you a favor because Some of my best clients are people who were just like, yep, 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 they're action takers. I'm in. Yep, sounds amazing. And whatever you say, they just go and do. Whereas if it starts with a bit of an arm wrestle or if it starts with, I'm not quite sure, and especially if it starts with a no or not accepting the offer, then you know it's a positioning thing too because you want to make sure that they're an action taker and you know that they're going to be a good person for you to coach with. And then you've got scalability because you can't handle a lot of people who are heavy and need a lot of work and pushing and they'll occupy like 80% of your brain where the people who are just action takers and light and all in and it's a nice match that you'll be able to actually have a lot more of those clients in your business. Now, when we're talking about the irresistible offer... Because I know with the work that I do with newer coaches, we do a lot of work with helping them with their packages, their pricing and all of that right out of the gate because they're just getting started. And one of the battles that I have encountered is getting out of the time-based model, 
selling your time for money. And so what does an irresistible offer look like? Because I don't believe it's that. Yeah, exactly. The biggest thing I always try and do is decouple the um, time calculation from the price, decouple that hourly rate. And the tendency is to say, oh, this is how much time of me you get. And so when packaging things up, I I love to try and have things that are not time-based included in the package. And so sometimes that may be a lot of the fundamentals all built into a course, something digital. It might be something that's group related. It might be something that they get included inside of a Facebook group or they can attend certain meetings or they can attend something live. Like There's something where you package it up where it is beyond the time that you actually spend face-to-face with them. It's actually trying wrapping it up into other things that you are showing more value than just the time that you're spending. And ultimately, that's what we want to be doing. We want them to be focused on the outcome, not the deliverables. And so let's talk a little bit about that. Like what makes an offer irresistible? I know you've talked about some of the things that you include, but how do I know? Oh, I've got an irresistible offer. Let's go. How do you know that? Yeah. First of all, you know within yourself that it feels right. One of the preconditions to it being irresistible is that you actually love it. So you actually sit there and you think, you know, to the customer that I really want, to the client that I really want, they would be crazy if they didn't take me up on this offer. That's the headspace I believe that you want to be in. First of all, internally, you want it to feel like you're in love with it. And the idea of then the person who's on the other end receiving that, they need to sit there and go, wow, this is unbelievable. This is like somebody's bought me the most perfect birthday gift and wrapped it up in a bow with all the words and all my problems and all the solutions. And here's the track. This is exactly how my brain works as well. It's like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Um, I'm in. That's how you want that energy to feel. I love that. So when we think about If I could just scoop up all of our listeners listening in and we're sitting at a table together, it's like, all right, everybody, we're going to create our irresistible offer. I think you talk about three main areas when crafting that. Would you share more about that? I think you talk about you, them, and now. What do you mean by that? So I go through three main sort of acts, if you will, of crafting an offer. So the first one is actually looking at yourself. So this is where you actually look at your gifts and you embrace those things. It's like your story. What do you find you naturally do well uh, for people? What do people come to you and ask for? What's that thing that comes naturally to you? And the counterintuitive thing is that the thing that you find easiest is usually the thing that you value the least. But in actual fact, that's where your mastery lies because you're just sitting there going, doesn't everybody see this or can't everybody see this answer? And that's where that gap between what we find is easy and we don't put a value on it and what somebody has got no idea but really needs that answer and they put a high value on it. So yeah, definitely the first phase of the three phases is you. So focusing on that and what your gift is, you know, positioning it as an offer and then also positioning you and your genius and your mastery in a place that really sits uniquely, which is one of the things that we always feel like, oh, there's someone else doing this and this. So we actually want to position you in a way that um, you're really leaning into what you know you can really own as um, knowledge and the ability to help. Well, I was just going to say, it reminds me of this conversation, interaction you and I had, because you and I have known each other for a number of years now. And in one of my other passion projects, it was like, I'm starting all over again. I'm like, how do I create my offer? What do I do with that? 
And for the life of me, I was stuck. And so you and I had a conversation and it just rolls off your tongue. And I'm like, my brain synapses are not forming. What are you saying? And it took so much effort for me to understand what was so easy for you to say. And now with practice and with understanding, I've gotten better at it. But I I remember the exact spot that you just described. And I love the way that you described it. The thing that you find the easiest is often where the mastery lies. And we don't even realize that. So now once you focus on you, what's the second part? Yeah, so then we focus on them. So this is where we actually look at who do they want to become? Are they really clear with the solution? Are they problem aware? Are they solution aware? Are they person aware? And just where are they at on their journey? And when you actually start to realize that and understand that, we can actually start to inspire them with not just stories of fictitious you know, destinations, but real step-by-step of what's going on in their world and um, who do they want to become and what's driving them to become that. So when we start to actually then look at that sort of transformation, we can use examples. We can use either past clients or we can, if you're starting out early, you may want to use um, examples of other people who have had the same transformation. They don't have to be your clients, but if you can be talking about the transformation, then you can say that this is how this person now operates in this future state. So part of being irresistible is for them to be able to vision themselves taking these steps and actually having a plan. And what I've found to be true is that even once you give someone the plan, then they still don't know how to go and execute it and really doing it with you and doing it together with you know maybe other people as well is what they buy in for. So actually being a little bit more forward with what the plan would look like at the offer stage is actually helping someone really see themselves in that future. And so what is the third act or the third area? Yeah, so the third part is where we talk about the now. So we've gone the yeah, it's about you and then it's about them and it's about now because you can establish, hey, you're the best person to coach me. They're a great fit, but how do we bring it to the now? So we position it as you know, something that they, they do actually want to have the success sooner rather than later. And if not now, when and what are they waiting for? Because a lot of people will um, start to have different criterias and excuse and objections and all these different things that enter their mind. But really, why not now? And so we really bring the attention into that. We look at you know, the pricing and, and the packaging and all the different things that we, we've got the heart on board. You know, there's the heart in the head and they play this little game with each other and the heart's on board with you. The heart's on board with them and their future. And now they're about to dive into their wallet and grab out their credit card, but they're about to spend money. And that's where the head comes in and goes, hang on, hang on, hang on. What's this all about? And that's that little dance that we do where we need to make sure that the pricing fits with the customer as well. You know, if there's payment plans and also um, how we actually put value on things, we can have bonuses and guarantees and things like that. There is that little bit of positioning, making sure that the main thing is the main thing and you can accessorize the main thing with some bonuses, which will overcome objections so that they make sure that they're feeling comfortable with, with you know, spending the money. Now, I'm not sure about you, Melinda, but definitely pricing is a filter in itself. And although we think that a lower price is more attractive, sometimes a lower price actually repels people. Because there's a perception there that it may not be as valuable, may not get the results. How could you get those results for only that amount of money and things like that? 
And pricing is definitely an interesting dynamic. And I've talked so much about pricing as a filter, as an attraction as well. Yeah. Now, for the newer coaches that are out there, or even seasoned coaches, if they're putting together a new program or launching a new offer, how do you get that offer to those first clients? How do you start that steam engine going once you know your audience? Like, how do you start positioning this? You've been working on your irresistible offer. How do you get it out there when you're brand new at making the offer? How do you start to get it in front of those first few clients? Yeah. I encourage people to really start off with a softer sort of feeling, like I'm looking for people. This is going to be something where I'm going to be learning just as much from you as you will be from me. Like be a little bit open and transparent about that. And, um, you know, depending on the ecosystem in which you currently operate, if it's on social media platforms or something out there like that, it's really about putting it out there where you actually are looking for other people to be a part of an opportunity where it will be your most intimate experience. It will be one of the smaller groups. It'll be something that you'll be almost co-creating together and really start to encourage people to, so they can feel like that they're getting something quite special, not just from an investment point of view, not just the, the price of, of the experience, but also the intimacy of the experience as well. The intimacy is something that the big people can't can't offer. You know, that's a competitive advantage. And then you'll attract people who do feel like that they're getting an opportunity to be, you know, work more closely with you than, you know, some of the, the coaches that may be years and years down the tracker and maybe having, you know, intakes of hundreds of people or thousands of people and have coaching layers between them and you. And when coaches start putting their offer out there, what happens in the scenario where They've put it out there, it doesn't work, it's crickets, or there's very low response, or there's not a lot of interest. What do you do in that scenario? Okay, so that's usually a languaging thing. And this is the discovery, this is the dance, this is the uh, learning cycles that we do with our offer. So an offer is something that you know is always a work in progress. It's always our best guess. Now, that's why it is important for you to know who you're offering it to, and the types of people, the languaging that you used, and what matched with them. So it may be something that if your offer feels like it didn't land, it got crickets, depending on whether it was on social or whether it was to your email audience or something like that. It'd be like, okay, can I say that in a different way? Is what I was offering too big? Is there something that I can offer that might seem like it's more believable? What's something that's just a taster that I can that I can give them? And so it always becomes this work in progress where we're trying to match up the you and the them and the now and really just try and get quite close to thinking, all right, you know, maybe maybe this is some feedback that I, I haven't gone deep enough into their deeper problem. What's another way of languaging this? And we're looking at it from knowing the answer's point of view. We need to go back and really put ourselves into their shoes and what are they seeing and feeling and, and believe is a is a big problem for them and use those words. I also find it's important, like I'm speaking from experience. We were, um, we're trying a new, uh, a new program. I know there's a need from all the years I've been doing this. We're on the third beta, if you will, the third iteration of it. And the first iteration of it, it's like, I think we've got the right parts and pieces. I don't think they're in the right order, but we've had to offer it a first time, a second time, now a third time. And this third time, it's like, okay, 90% of it is there, but there still needs to be some final tweaks. 
for it to be what I would say that irresistible, like is really good right now. And how do we make it irresistible so that it's a no brainer? And so I'm going back, not to the drawing board completely, but back to modify and beginning to look at what you just talked about. And a lot of times when I encounter coaches in the first few years of their business, they'll present an offer and it won't be an immediate yes. And I'll hear them say things like, wow, maybe, maybe I wasn't cut out for this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Or wow, I really thought that was going to be it. Now I don't know what to do. And so they just really, they're quick to give up because their villains get so loud. How can we, like, if I could just scoop up all the new coaches, it's like, just keep going. You just wash, rinse, repeat, modify along the way, do differently, have that debrief and keep putting yourself out there. What do you say with the people that you work with in those kinds of situations? Yeah. Okay. So um, one of the biggest things that if we get tangled up in that state of mind, I really try and flip it. Like we're in our own head too much if we're thinking like that, because we're thinking it's all about us. And really what I try and do is flip it because when it's all about us, it's all about, oh, did someone accept my offer? Or is this good enough? Is this package good enough? Is this, we're very, very, very me, 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 you know what I mean? And then if we can flip it and then just really dive into the other person's world and say, what do they need? Where are they stuck? And how can I actually help them? And we, we look at the world from the completely opposite point of view. We get out of our own head and we go into a place of service. That's like, wow, if that person stayed stuck like that and you know, I wasn't able to you know, use my knowledge, my knowledge is useless just sitting around in my head. How can I actually think of it from their perspective? What do they really need? It's obvious in hindsight, but you know, we get so tangled up in in our own world, in our own building this and this and this and this and this. And in actual fact, if we just go down and sit next to the person with the problem and listen and feel and then look at how we can help from there, then I feel like all the options and the noise and the chaos kind of disappears. And you just go, right, okay, let's do this. And um, yeah, it's really that perspective shift of jumping out of our own heads and viewing the world through our own eyes and going and viewing it through the prospect's eyes. I love it. Well, Michael, I could talk to you all day about this. Right now, I just want to summarize some of the amazing things that we've pulled out about irresistible offers. I love the way that you talked about it at the very beginning when you said the energy of the word offer really diffuses the idea of selling. It's just an offer, an invitation. And I really love how you described it was a filter for the right people to say yes and the not right people to say no and how it's always a work in progress. And I really love how you just snuck that in a few moments ago. It's always our best guess. And we talked about how to reframe the no for those newer coaches or when we get into the fears of rejection or when we get into our minds and lost and all of that, to reframe that no, to not see it as a rejection of ourselves, more just as a filter to have the right people coming on and the not right people moving on. And we talked about when you know you have an irresistible offer, it's because you love it. You are in love with it. It's a no brainer and it's a great match for the other person and it helps them get the outcomes desired. And then you took us so beautifully through the three acts, as you called it, or the three areas that you need to consider when making your irresistible offer. Why you why them, why now, we talked about the pricing, how to get it in front of those initial people. And I really love the conversation we just had about 
what happens when you put your offer out there and it doesn't go quite like you didn't knock it out of the park the first time? Because that might happen, but a lot of times it doesn't. And I really like how you address both the copy and the languaging issue, but also the mindset issue. So Michael, do you have any parting words for our listeners? My parting words is just love what you do so much that talking about your offer just rolls off your tongue. You you are so in love with what you can do, the impact that you could have, how you've bundled up your value that offering and talking about your offer doesn't feel awkward at all. I love it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a huge thank you to Michael for this incredible conversation about irresistible and authentic offers. You can actually find out more about Michael at michaelmaidens.com. That's Michael Maidens, M-A-I-D-E-N-S.com. Michael, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thanks, Melinda. I had a great time. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mayor CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Course Lab. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance and Cynthia. Mishi assembled the episode. Danny Innie is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To follow upcoming great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know 
that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud, we can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.